As a medical professional, you're probably consumed by your work. Because of that, you likely miss out on big opportunities to protect and grow the wealth you work so hard for. Luckily, through passive real estate investing, you can place your capital in the hands of trusted syndicators who do all the legwork while you sit back and let your money work for you. Syndicators like Ascent Equity Group. Ascent Equity Group is led by three medical professionals turned full-time real estate investors who have secured a quarter of a billion dollars in assets in just three years. And their latest opportunity, Sunrise and Chandler, is open now. Sunrise and Chandler is an exciting 177-unit value-add multifamily opportunity in the affluent city of Chandler, Arizona. This Class B asset in a Class A location was secured at a significant discount and is already cash flowing out of the gate, with 89% of the units still in need of renovation. Sunrise and Chandler is close to meeting its capital raising goal and will be closing soon. So if you'd like to learn more, visit ascentequitygroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T equitygroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only. What you do is let them talk and they'll tell you about they have pride in their holding. To hold real estate is a different type of level of involvement with the economy and with the world. Real quick, before the episode, I want to give you a gift of 25% off. And that gift actually is from TransUnion Smart Move. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. Because as landlords, we tend to be most concerned with getting paid on time. You might also know that hundreds of thousands of landlords have to deal with the headaches of evicting tenants each year. Evicting a tenant can be painful, costing as much as $10,000 in court costs and legal fees, and take as long as four weeks to complete. What if there's a trusted way to help prevent the headaches of dealing with evicting a tenant? Make the smart move right from the start. Smart Move's online tenant screening solution can help you quickly understand if you're getting a reliable tenant, which will help you avoid potential problems such as non-payment and evictions. For a limited time, listeners of this podcast are invited to try Smart Move tenant screening for 25% off. Here's how Smart Move can help you find your next great tenant. Make a more informed decision with Smart Move's proprietary credit score built specifically for tenant screening which predicts evictions 15% better than a typical credit score. Reduce non-payment risk with SmartMove's Income Insights Report, which enables you to analyze the applicant's income within minutes and determine if additional income verification is needed. Get critical information quickly with a full credit report, criminal background, and eviction history report. With over 5 million screenings completed, SmartMove can help you make a better leasing decision for your rental property. If you own a rental property, SmartMove can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion SmartMove, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. What's this today? Michael Polk. How you doing, Michael? Hey, I'm doing great. How you doing? I'm doing well and looking forward to our conversation. Michael is the founder of Polk Properties. He has over 30 years of real estate experience and he's based in Long Beach, California. So with that being said, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and your current focus? Well, my current focus is kind of a matrix of things because I see that uh, real estate touches so many different areas. 
So really to segment yourself, which is a great way to accomplish things in real estate. But I like the whole tapestry so I can serve the client better. So that means that my area of focus is needs-based or the suggestion of a need that a client may not know that they have or an opportunity to offer them another way to participate in real estate outside of what they may normally have been exposed to. Having said that, my origin is in actually banking quite well. It just sells, period. However, the truth of the matter is the origin starts from banking. I was an operations officer years ago, and you learned a lot of foundational things there in regards to how accounts are handled and a different view of what the customer represents and what it represents to our economy than being a client. Well, that was great. And then after that, I did some more boutique style family office real estate with a very large family in LA, Iranian Jewish family, family Balur. I learned a lot there. And then I transitioned on into downtown LA into industrial commercial real estate and real cold calling, which was great. Cold calling is a foundation of selling. If you don't talk to people, then you're never going to know what they want. Uh, And you got to listen. That's part of it. And then after that, a few years of doing that, I decided, hey, uh, around 93, you know what? Things aren't the greatest, so I think I'll just meet the fullness of my commissions. And then I just went on from there and just listened to what the client need, let them tell me what they had, assess what they currently had in their portfolios and how to reposition that if they had a bigger bang for the buck with the same money. So that's enough about me. Will you give an example of the last part where work with the client were you working with the client in the capacity of a broker? And Yes. Okay, so you're a broker and their client had a property looking to exit out of it and then you would just help them figure out what was the best way to take that money and to buy something else? Well, that's the long and short of it. I'll try to truncate it so we don't burn up the time, but I'll give you an example. I have one client. He was lamenting, okay, he wanted a property in Marina Del Rey, California, and he had a auto rental facility. You know, he rented cars. And he says, yeah, I'm renting this place, and parking is at a premium in L.A., and especially in the marina. So he says, look, I had everybody looking for a property, blah, blah, blah. I want to own the land under my building. Nobody found me anything. He was a referral. I forgot exactly from who. A lot of my clients are referral. Actually, most of them. So, however... I'm sitting there. Okay, I take the order. I said, I'll see what I can do. Put a little attention on it. I said, okay, this is what we're going to do. I saw a motel up the street. We're going to buy this motel. We're going to tear it down, and you're going to build your building, and that's the only way you're going to get the land. So he saw the light. Mm -hmm. He went along with it. We had to go through some hoops with the city because it was, a per se, a motel that was for the traveler. It was pretty much just a de facto crummy motel. So we had rent stabilization. We had to pay the tenants that were there to relocate. So we did that. So we built the building. But in the ensuing time that that was going on, I'm looking around this guy's office and reading it. And I see these two pictures on the wall. And I'm like, okay, that doesn't comport. And I kept looking at him. Each time I sat with him, I said, hey, customer, what's that there? And he's, oh, those are a couple of houses I built down in Carlsbad. And I said, oh, yeah? How much money are you making on those houses? And he said, oh, you know, the military guys run them, blah, blah, blah. It's not too much. I said, well, how much are those houses worth, you think? 
And he says, well, let's take a look. So we looked and we just lodged that equity by getting rid of those houses and rolling them in a net lease investment. And then he became a man of leisure and we just kept replicating that on everything else. So what I'm saying here is that my practice is such that I see what the need of the client is. And the goal is to ask stickiness for one, you want to keep your clients. So best way to keep your clients is to show them new concepts and how they can make money. It's not like I'm creating financialization. I'm just showing them what actually real estate consists of. And that means I have to cast a wider net than being amazing. I like how you simplified your approach, right? Your role is to show new concepts for how your clients can make more money. Is it usually in trapped equity that a property has, or is it usually some unique scenario like you described earlier where your client was looking for something, but he wasn't able to find it, but then you identified a motel to tear down, and then there is the way that they can make money and deliver on their vision? Well, the first thing is that I was meeting the client's needs. See, the first part is people go in and real estate brokers have an outside ego and we need it. So here's out, out, out the ego. But you got to listen. You got to meet the first need. You got to give a 100% effort in hearing them. So, yeah, maybe that's not possible. But if you can make the impossible possible by actually listening, then luck plays a part. But you listen to the client and then after that, you say, hey, you come in with literally the cross sale, sell that and let's start, take that money and start leveraging it and send your daughter to USC. You just write the check and not worry about it every year. That's the type of results you want. And that's what fosters more referrals and people trust you more and you feel good about the work and you feel good about the fact that you were able to show someone a new way of thinking in something, a construct that is there for anybody to do. You just have to do it. You just have to meet the customer's need and sell them what they might not know they need, but they better need it to keep your integrity in check. What are some questions that you ask a client of yours when you're initially meeting them to identify how you can meet their needs? Well, the initial thing that I do is, like I say, most people are referral. So that means that I have some indication of what they want before I get there. But that's not always the case, and that's a whole other subject of cold calling. But we're talking about, okay, you got a warm call, you know the guy, whatever. You get there, and first thing you do, you go in, you look around the office. You sit there, don't rush it, don't push up on them, just settle in. They have a business, they're operating it, let them tend to their whatever it is they're doing, fill in the blank of what the business is and what they're doing. And when they're ready to talk, they'll say, excuse me, blah, blah, blah. You say, don't worry about it. And then you've had time to read their office and time to pick up some cues you may need in regards to what might be going on, such as in the thing I told you about the two pictures on the wall. Mm -hmm. So the cues are there. So you pick it up and then you just start talking about it. You show an interest in the client. They know why you came. You came to sell them a building or whatever it is you came for any salesman. So what you do is let them talk and they'll tell you about they have pride in their holding to hold real estate is a different type of level of involvement with the economy and with the world. So I would say, let them tell you about what they have. They'll tell you, you send out things here and there. Do you have anything else? Okay. You don't want to get rushed that, but yeah, of course, if they don't get around to it with the time constraints, then you send out the things. You become a catalyst for what you want. But you got to let them talk first. They'll tell you, like, okay, the other day, let me tell you this. This is like recent history. I go downtown L.A. in the garment district. Somebody said, hey, I got some guys rounded up. They got 
whatever. One guy got whatever, one million to leverage. The other guy got five million. Okay, whatever. A couple of guys with some money. So I go down here and teach these guys. I did exactly what I told you. I sat there, settled in, let them do what they were doing. And then we got to talking. And then that was on the first stop. Now I had to make more than one stop, so I'm going to speed this story up. On the second stop, I sit there, and they say, hey, Michael, do you know the building over off of Beverly Glen and wherever it is? I said, sure, I know that area. I know exactly what you're talking about. What about it? Because now, first of all, I didn't go there to even sell them. This is residential. I primarily sell industrial commercial, like Walgreens or Rite Aid, not so much Rite Aid now, but CVSs, that type of thing. And then hardcore, just, hey, you went put your boxes in there, slam the door, and here's enough parking type of things. I don't want to minimize industrial because industrial actually is very, very foundational as to what business consists of. Customers see the front end, say in the retail section, but hey, what about where it's made? What about where it's stored? That is underpinning of real estate. But having said all that, which I did, I would just say the guy took the time to give me his order. He knew what he wanted. Okay, that building, go get that building for me. All right, okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm in the process of getting the building. But it's only because I settled in and took my time and let them become comfortable. And there's another aspect. I don't know, you like Woody Allen movie? They're kind of long and however they are, but uh, there's one in particular that I find to be pretty good, which is called Zealot. See, when you're selling, you've got to listen. America is a tapestry of persons. And we've been fortunate enough that the people will come here and want to build because that's what we need. We need to build. So in the building, the people go straight to business. But they apologize for however their English is and that. As a salesman, let them be who they are. And you become accustomed to them. And when you become accustomed to them, then you'll learn their patterns of speaking. You'll be able to use some of their quips effectively because you took the time to develop the commonality with them where they feel like they're just talking to their bud only with fiduciary responsibility. So you mentioned earlier, that's with the warm lead. Let's talk about cold calling. You said you were doing cold calling when you were working downtown LA and industrial. Who exactly were you calling and what was your approach for an effective call? Well, I'm going to tell you this. I'm going to take it out of script. Well, it won't be a script because I don't have a script, okay, <laughs> like this. I don't have a script. What I do is I know the purpose of what I'm going down there for, and sometimes it really isn't any purpose. It's, I call it make a stop, just making a stop. Hi, how you doing, Schmo? Good morning, Michael Folk here. Hey, okay, in industrial, you find out a lot about businesses. So let's just take the garment business, for instance. You got cutters, graders, contractors, the retailers, the factorers, and all other sorts, the street slockers, everybody's there involved. And that's what brings a vibrancy to the garment district. So when you walk in, you can talk about this different aspects of what it may take to make a garment. So you already have all the, the backstory, and now it's just a matter of you look around and look for opportunities. Yeah, you got a lot of boxes there. Uh -huh, it's pretty tight in here. Has the fire inspector been by here? That's a joke. But hey, you start... <laughs> Telling them of needs that they don't have. See, you do it backwards. You don't wait for an order. You start showing them because mm -hmm. we're supposed to be professionals in this business. Well, then we have a right to discuss and converse about our business with the requisite people that may be able to use our services. But I look at it like lost leaders, cold calling. So you don't always have a reason, but you're seeing what's going on. 
I want to see what's going on. I guess that'd be the reason. And anyone else that's in this business should want to see what's going on so they know what's going on so they can guide their client to a conclusion that helps their family grow. I guess that's it. So when you were talking about cold calling, it was actually cold meetings. You'd actually go up in person to the real estate properties, industrial properties. Yes, that's cold calling to me when you present yourself. But I wrote a couple of articles on it utilizing the phone. One is basically, well, the last one was called See Through the Phone. I don't know if you've got a computer in front of you. You could pull it up. It, it was in Forbes about, I don't know, a week ago. Yeah, maybe less. Yeah, about a week ago. And I had another article come out, not an article, group article come out this morning, but that wasn't on cold call. That was on something else. But yeah, basically in America, and probably the whole world, we all have phones. We don't use them. The only people who use a phone are the crank callers with the machines. So, but we need to rediscover the usage of the phone and have a purpose in it. And doing so, you'd be able to get a lot of things done. Like, for instance, yesterday I had a problem in a loan closing. I was a chink. About seven people are on the deal. I'm like, okay, so what's going on? We don't know this and that. Everybody had a story. And at the end of the day, in the hard money business, you have a lot of people that are participating in something that affects fee interest, the underlying ownership of the land, but they really don't sell real estate. I do. It gives me an advantage because I can see what they can. I can see that there's a problem in the title plan and somebody needs to call over to the plant and to hasten them to action. Call over, boom, get to the plant. Oh, the plant had some issue. I won't say what it is, but it was hacked. That was the issue and they got backlogged. So my new ally on the phone decided that I shouldn't be affected by this. So they went in and hastened up the file. I hope I'm still waiting to see. I'll email you back to let you know the end of that story. But what I'm saying, I got someone to bond with me and go forward and create an action. So when you cold call, you've got to move the ball, so to speak. Got move it. The ball, well, I'll just say this. I have just a shameless plug, but not for me, for my son. My son won an Ivy League football champion at Princeton, and it was his first year there. Five months after he was there, he was already had a championship, so I'm happy for that. Anyway, anything else you'd like to me to add? Or I'm here for you guys. Yeah, let's talk about your time at the family office. What did you? Oh yeah, what did I do? Okay, well, basically all I did was go around the meetings with my mentors and sit there and listen. Now, the thing about these meetings, quite a few of them went on several hours and were all in parts, okay, which I don't speak, but I absorbed the feelings for sure. And it was probably the best thing that ever could have happened to me because they were very well steeped in business. They had properties from downtown LA to Hollywood to Beverly Hills. I initially started out doing buying flats in Beverly Hills. And there was a time where people buy one humble home and turn it in, build a mansion on the whole lot with no backyard, basically. And they kind of curtailed that after a while. Nobody wanted a big house right next to their small house. It looked kind of rude or that was the ceiling or whatever. The city curtailed it, but I started doing that. But then that didn't have enough to it because you had the residential, it takes a certain personality and I mind it more for business. And that is a little bit like fashion. So I was one brother and he was an industrial, so I investigated that. 
but I got opportunity to see each one of their aspects of business because it was like, okay, today. It was like being babysitting. It said, okay, you go with him today. You go with him today. And then sometimes everybody who ever had an interest in whatever I ferried it out would ride around. We'd look at it, evaluate it. And then I guess we make our offer to, however, achieve the goal of having it or at least knowing what's going on. And then after that, we traveled and we did a lot. It was probably the best thing that could have ever happened to me. And this is after I was operations officer in a bank because I knew him from the bank. So they said, hey, come with us and we'll show you the way to wealth, so to speak. Got it. Let's take a step back. And I want to ask you a question I ask all my guests. What is your best real estate investing advice ever? Okay, I'm going to answer that, and I want to give that some type of answer to that. But before I answer, I want to say this. Each person's situation is different. But if we needed some type of barometer or divining rod, I would suggest keep your powder dry, but still pull the trigger, but with proper counseling and due diligence. I know that doesn't flow so well, but I have to say it all because there's a lot of things that people can get hot about a property. For instance, I had a guy call me who will go nameless. He tells me he wants to put 60% down on a vacation property in the area might be whatever it is. I told him I don't want to know and I don't want to hear any more about it. And don't call me constantly asking me about the deal I just said no to because if I say no, I have no conviction about that deal. So I can't talk to you about it because there's no reason to talk about something that I said no about. So each person's situation is different. But I do say save your capital, have it prepared, look for opportunity, and then execute on it effectively with a proper due diligence. And you got to start somewhere. We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Okay, I guess. Hey, <laughs> I used to watch Jim Cramer. I think I'm trained for it. I think okay. you are too. Yep. First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. If you own a rental property, TransUnion Smart Move can help you identify the right renter from the start so you can avoid the problems of non-payment or evictions. Don't put yourself at risk. Go to tenantscreening.com, create a free account, enter the code FAIRLESS at checkout for 25% off your next screening. With TransUnion Smart Move, you'll get great reports, great convenience, great tenants. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com. Okay, what's the best ever book you've recently read? The best book I would say, hmm, I read a lot of books. I would say The Ascent of Money. In other words, the rising of money, the ascent of money. It's a financial history of the world all the way back before the uh, tulip bulbs and everything else. I think it was just back to trading rocks. But now Ferguson wrote the book, an English author. He's well thought of. And it's written in a fashion which is a little bit Englishy, but the point is well taken. And the dry wit also helps. And I think you'll learn everything that there is to know about value. If you read that book, No Offense to the Wealth of Nations. And then I would also throw in for the audience, I think everybody needs to smack the ring of the prince and even Machiavelli. And then I will put out a shout out to my good friend, General Wesley Clark's book, Don't Fight the Last War. And that's about what I have for the books. Best ever deal you've done. 
see, now, I had an inkling this question was going to come up, and I'm going to say they're all the best deal I've ever done. And the reason is because each client is different, and each client has a different need. Some may have similar needs, but the focus. It's not even the money from the deal. But, yes, yeah, the money. But it's not just that because you don't get any money until you meet the client's needs. So you got to divine the client. So I say I think it's the impediments to the transaction and the obstacles that make the deal fun at the end, after you execute and have your commission. But even if not, they're all good. So I can't really answer that question because I appreciate and respect each transaction. I believe that each client's business is important. The rich guy's money is just as good as a small guy's money because you don't know when the small guy's going to be the big guy and the big guy's going to be the small guy. So you just want to be in the loop recycling dollars and building wealth. What's a mistake you've made on a transaction? Well, I'll tell you the truth. Here's one that comes to mind. I was new. And then what happened was, this back when I was a runner, at this company called the Donati Group, and there was a gentleman I was running for, Ed Eisenberg, and he's still alive. Hey, Ed, if you listen to this, I mentioned you. You're famous now. So in any event, I was off my runnership, and I had a deal, and Ed was in the hospital for something. And anyway, I was on my own. I was on my own anyway, but I had the good fortune of having this deal over in an area of L.A. called the Goodyear Track. And I sold this 55,000 square foot building. I think I sold a million four ninety eight. And I think the client's name was Gearman. He was 97. Mr. Gearman was still trying to sell one hammer. And they're like, man, you're about to get a million and a half dollars. You're trying to sell one hammer. Okay, no, I don't want to buy that. So anyway, what happened was I got the contract, everything going on. I'm on my own. I'm high flying. I'm a big superstar. Boy, look at me. I'm about to sell this building. I got to remember this is 89, 90, something like that. So, I forgot one thing when I went to escrow. <laughs> I didn't even know how to open the escrow to be true. <laughs> I, just, I just went down there with the papers, and I had them there. We've got an escrow officer. I'm here to open escrow. Okay, what you got? Okay, let me see what you got. Okay, blah, 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 blah. So, she did all her typing, and I said, yeah, make sure you put in there. It's going to be a 1031 exchange. Uh-oh. And she said, well, who's your accommodator? I said, I thought you were the accommodator. And she said, no, you need an accommodator. It wasn't a mistake. Corrective action was made immediately, but I didn't know. So I don't even know if that counts as a mistake. It could have been problematic, though. So what ended up happening was that we had an accommodator. I was at Commerce Escrow. Shouts out. Everybody in L.A. knows Commerce Escrow. But they took care of it. They had an accommodator on the other side of the hall. and No harm, no foul. But it could have been. But that's just because I was new. And after that, well, I worked for a gentleman, Mr. Daniel P. Donati. And Dan Donati was very, 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 very stern on what we constructed in our addendum and anything else. He's like, listen, first thing that's going to happen is they're going to ask you where you got your law degree and do not craft language, direct them to their lawyer. It makes sense because to this day, you got to watch what you write. A lot of people get fancy with it. Okay, get fancy with it. I suggest you don't direct them to the attorney. Attorneys can be your best friend if you utilize them correctly, like at the beginning. So it's got to have the right attorney, too. <laughs> How can the best ever listeners get in touch with you or learn more about your company? They can go to www.polkproperties.net. That would be P-O-L-K-P-R-O-P-E-R-T-I-E-S.net. Properties.net. Or they can call me at 213 785 
888-627-7284. Michael, thanks so much for being on the show and sharing your experience in real estate as a broker and really being focused on serving clients and identifying new concepts to make them money. And you talked through some specific examples. Really appreciate the conversation. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Thank you, sir. Are you interested in getting started in real estate syndication but don't know how? My friend Whitney Sewell is the host of the Daily Real Estate Syndication Show podcast. He interviews top experts in the industry to help you learn the cutting edge tools and strategies of the syndication business. You can find Whitney and his podcast at lifebridgecapital.com.